You know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a fraction of what they really have? The streaming service actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only about 6,000 of those are available in the good old US of A. That means you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows. Unless, of course, you use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location, protecting your devices from unwanted snooping and allowing you to control where streaming services and other websites think you're located. There are over 100 different locations to choose from, which means you have access to thousands of new shows and movies no matter where you live. This doesn't just work with Netflix, it works with Disney+, Hulu, Max, a UK streamer called BBC iPlayer, and more. I was on a work trip in the UK during the final season of Game of Thrones, and I tried logging into my HBO account to watch a new episode, but the technology wouldn't let me because of geoblocking. And I wish I had this app at that moment, because I now realize how incredibly easy it is to work around that problem. Here's a more recent example. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is not streaming on Netflix in the US, but I just fired up the episode where Dennis tries to have a peaceful mental health day, and technology keeps interrupting his plans. All I had to do was open ExpressVPN, connect to a UK server, refresh Netflix, and the show just popped up. It's super easy. I've also heard good things about that show called Billions, but I've never been a Showtime subscriber, so I've never seen it. But it's actually available right now on Netflix in South Korea, and with ExpressVPN, it took five seconds to switch over and start checking it out. With ExpressVPN, you get high-quality streaming from devices like your phone, laptop, tablet, and TV, and crucially, it protects your privacy and security to keep your information safe from hackers. Stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you all three extra months free when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash slash film. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slash film to get three extra months completely free. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Monday, October 31st, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Serretta. Joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film News Writer Ryan Scott. Hey, everyone. How's it going? Happy Monday and happy Halloween. Yeah, it's Halloween. Uh, do you have any Halloween plans, Ryan? Uh, I did. I did a lot of my Halloween stuff over the weekend, uh, but I'm going to see a, a band uh, with my girlfriend this evening uh, at a small coffee shop, uh, which figures to be kind of a weird show. So, uh, but that's about it. Is the band Halloween themed? Not necessarily. They're a band called Daikaiju and they like, you know, wear masks and do like weird surf <laughs> rock. But it is the 
it is the we it is the most ins- i mean i've seen a lot of bands i've seen it is the weirdest show and most insane thing you can ever see um it's very difficult to explain but if you ever get a chance go see a band called daikaiju if they roll through your town yeah i'm not doing anything today but last uh yesterday i went to the disney walt disney studios lot in burbank they had a uh d23 the, the the disney fan club d23 had an event there called the halloween celebration and um they had like a bunch of like you know photo ops and free food and games and they were showing uh, uh halloween shorts and in, in the big theater and you know mickey mouse was there and uh i, I mean w- what i enjoyed was just walking around the the studio a lot and kind of being able to like peer into the buildings and be like oh that's the animation building oh that's the that's you know stage three that was constructed uh for twenty thousand leagues under the sea um and normally when i'm on the I, i'm lucky to be on the back lot uh a bit because i go see movie screenings there but normally i'm not allowed to film or take any photos but because this was a fan event uh they allowed us to film um there's gonna be a video coming to ordinary adventures i think tomorrow so if you want to see me running around uh the, the walt disney studios uh studio lot like an idiot uh trying to you know uncover film history while there's like you know some kind of halloween event going on check that out but uh, now, okay. peter you mean to tell me you mean to tell me you did a disney thing for halloween come on <laughs> and the funny thing is too ryan is everybody was there dressed up they had a halloween co- uh costume contest and of course me and ketcher were not we were like one of the few people not dressed up. Uh, okay, but that's just the story of my life. We 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 just uh, yeah, that that's us. Anyways, um, let's jump into the news. We got a bunch of news to talk about today. Uh, let's let's start things out with the box office. Uh, what happened this weekend at the box office? Well, somewhat unsurprised, and I guess I should lead into this because this is something I cautioned in a lot of the stories I wrote, um, is that uh, the Halloween weekend is typically not like a huge weekend for the box office because people are doing other stuff. But, you know, usually there's a horror movie or something that can capitalize on the people that do want to go see something. Uh, So what happened this weekend is Lionsgate released something called Pray for the Devil. Fun fact, other than recent box office reporting, Slash Film did not have a single article about this movie, which is a bad sign. Um, So uh, it only made $7 million. Uh, Pretty bad start for a movie like this, even with... I couldn't find budget figures, but it's probably like The Invitation, probably like a $10 million movie. Um, it came in third place to Ticket to Paradise and Black Adam, which again topped the charts. So, you know, kind of rough for for new stuff this weekend. But Black Adam made twenty seven point seven million, dropped almost fifty nine percent week to week. That's at two hundred fifty million worldwide, which is good but not great for a hundred ninety million dollar movie. We'll see how it legs out. Ticket to Paradise, meanwhile, pulled in another ten million. That's at a hundred just about one hundred and twenty worldwide. Um, you know, that's doing great for a $60 million budget. Um, yeah, those those were your top three finishers. And, and so Lionsgate's having a bit of a rough year, which, which sucks. Uh, uh, Black Adam, I'm starting to wonder if it's going to get where it needs to get. That's kind of my big question right now. But it, but it is doing, uh, pretty well worldwide. Like just yeah. past 250, right? Yeah, 250 overall. So it's got a hundred and it's, it's got 139 from international markets, but 
the split's a little closer to 50-50 than I thought it would be. I, I kind of anticipated Black Adam would do something like, you know, sort of like the Fantastic Beast movies where it would go like, you know, maybe like 65-70% overseas, 30% domestic. Um, if it stays closer to 50-50, I feel like this movie's probably going to finish around or a little less than 500 worldwide, um, you know, which is not great. Uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, I think it really needs to get to about 500 to be, you know, even remotely considered a success with that kind of budget. So, you know, eh, yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure. It's a little, it's not great. Yeah, but you're you're right. Halloween weekend usually isn't the best time to release a movie. Usually a lot of the horror films get released before then. Um, I remember Zack and Miri, the Kevin Smith movie, I think is, yeah. is by the way, you should write. Uh, I feel like there's a Tales of the Box Office column in that uh, <laughs> at some point. There, there because- absolutely is. There absolutely is. And I'm just waiting for an anniversary or something to do that one because I've <laughs> thought about that. Yeah, because that was uh, that was supposed to be Kevin Smith's like, you know, Judd Apatow moment. Like that was supposed to be the the breakout film that was going to do, you know, the R, you know, that R rated uh, box office that like everybody was chasing at that time, and uh, it was released on Halloween weekend. And uh, the, many analysts think that that's one of the major reasons uh, that it did not do as as well as people were expecting it to do well. So. Yeah. Plus, there there was a big. If you read Kevin Smith's book, uh, he talks about the the marketing problems that they faced with that movie because yeah, of like, having the, the word title. porno in the title, right? So that so they couldn't air TV spots before like nine p.m. There was all these problems with like, uh, or or I think it was something like that. But anyway, but yeah, so it was kind of a but it, um, but yeah. So the, the the couple other things to note for the weekend box office here, uh, Smile made another five million dollars domestically. Uh, it has now made 185, uh, just about 186 million dollars worldwide, which puts it past Nope to make it the highest-grossing original horror movie of the year. Pretty damn good for a movie with a 17 million dollar budget that was supposed to go to Paramount Plus. Um, uh, Ryan, if I had told you earlier this year that the Jordan Peele movie was going to get beat out by Smile, would you have believed me? No, but that's kind of the beauty of this, right? Like I even mentioned that in the article that, like, you know that's that's what paramount gets for sort of looking at these positive test screenings and going you know what let's pivot like because this was this they could have just dumped this to paramount plus and it probably would have done fine instead they're going to have a 200 million dollar hit on their hands and likely a franchise not to mention if they can keep parker finn they've got a filmmaker now who has draw you know so what paramount benefited from being smart enough to pivot Paramount this year is really I really feel like Paramount is kind of the studio you look at right now and it's like you're doing so many things right. Um, And uh, yeah, you know, even even Halloween ends. What's crazy about that is like Halloween ends is now at 90, just about 95 million worldwide. And even with the steep drops, even with everything, it's still going to make over 100, you know, with the Peacock release and everything else. That to me says they really shouldn't have done the Peacock release, but but it's amazing how horror is just still just propping everything up. Um, Terrifier 2 is going to end up making more than most of the Oscar movies this year. Such a strange, <laughs> such a strange little success story that is. Uh, yeah, because that was the problem. The only other thing I should mention is that a lot of like Oscar movies like Tar, uh, Till, um, uh, Triangle of Sadness expanded this weekend. 
none of them made enough money to make any noise. It's too early. So we're kind of looking at it another. It, it's too early, but but it's also sort of one of those things where if this keeps happening, you know, because last year a lot of the Oscar movies didn't make any money. And so it's kind of like, eh, you know, that's another bad, bad sign if, if this year kind of ends up being the same thing. Um, so I sort of hope at least a few of these Oscar movies end up breaking through. But I think this was a bad weekend to expand those movies. Uh, you should have waited a week or two. My yeah. two cents. But that's Agreed. more or less the box office this weekend, everybody. Okay, let's uh, let's move on. Let's talk about Marvel Studios. Uh, there's a couple bits of news that came out uh, today or over the weekend. Uh, first of which is Marvel Studios is giving Vision his own television series on Disney+. Plus. Uh, now, this was first reported by Jeff Snyder. It was confirmed by Deadline. And uh, according to Snyder, the working title for this uh, TV project is Vision Quest which uh you know i had to look this up i i honestly vision is like one of the holes in my marvel uh chronology uh but i looked it up it's a marvel comics west coast avengers arc from uh march to june of 1989 uh and in this arc um that's called Vision Quest. Uh, the character is being dismantled. His brain is wiped. His skin turned chalk white. And he now has lacks any capacity for emotions. Uh, he learns about his children uh, that Wanda made up. And uh, the story arc marks the beginning of the Scarlet Witch's downfall. So it sounds like a lot of that stuff already happened in WandaVision. So I'm not sure what this story is exactly what What do you make of vision quest or vision tv series uh i think the idea is to kind of have it sort of be the follow-up to that like where like you know vision's trying to the white vision is sort of trying to get his semblances of humanity back i think is kind of going to be the idea um there is the really really just stellar tom king uh vision miniseries which i believe won an eisner um if they want to take a page or two out of that, I'd be okay with this. Um, I don't know. Uh, did, did, I, I didn't don't... that miniseries inspire WandaVision in a little bit, little ways? Elements of it, little elements of it, sure. But I, 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 I for me, I don't need this. I, I, <laughs> I like Vision a lot, but, but I, um, man, I don't know. I just WandaVision really didn't do much for me like it did for everyone else, and and uh, really. I, I just think no, I I don't know if you're talking. I really didn't like WandaVision very much. Um, uh, and uh, I thought it was three episodes too long. I didn't think the payoff was worth it. I I could go on and on, but no, oh, I, um, I agree with you. The uh, end so, of that se- that that season was not good, but the rest I don't know. I I thought the first half of that season was so solid. Yeah, I don't I, I don't want I don't want to have this argument right now, but but uh, but um. <laughs> But uh, that started that started my rocky relationship with Marvel TV up to this point. But but uh, but yeah, so I don't know. I don't know if you need this in like the lead up to like Secret Wars and and all that. I don't know. Um, we'll see. I'm always willing to keep an open mind and I, and I love Vision, but I'd most rather see like a Vision movie of some kind rather than how 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 unique of me to want a movie instead of a tv show but um but yeah i don't know i i, I don't have like over, i don't i don't feel overly i don't feel overly optimistic or like needful about this but i re, but i remain open-minded yeah this reads to me like you know wandavision was this great success that's one of the 
Disney Plus TV series, despite Ryan uh, fans loved uh, and critics. A lot of um, people that don't normally like Marvel's TV shows loved WandaVision. And this reads to me like they're like, we need to do more of that. We're already doing the Agatha show. Let's, uh, uh, Paul Bettany's probably will work on t- for a TV series again. Do, do, do you know I mean like it, it feels like, oh, he'll, he'll sign a contract for a TV series. That, that's what it feels like to me is like, we, it, it doesn't feel motivated by story reasons. And I could be totally wrong. I hope that Marvel proves me wrong here, but it really feels like it's a, uh, a business calculated spinoff. Yeah, I think maybe that's where my like, I don't know how necessary this feels, but I also don't know what their plans with vision are. You know, like, I don't know what again leading up to because I still firmly believe Secret Wars is going to reboot the MCU. Um, So I feel like a lot of these characters that are still kind of hanging out that maybe want their last hurrah, they're going to get it. Um, And so I think maybe you might have to tee up the ball for how vision's last hurrah is who knows, but um yeah i don't know we'll see uh i'm even more curious in the aftermath of multiverse of madness because wanda's dead so you know it's like you know wh- where does that ever, or she's supposed to be i don't know i eh. <laughs> i i feel nobody's ever dead in the mcu because now you have all these different universes and i think uh, that's where a little bit of my cynicism comes from but we'll see Okay, let's move on. Uh, another bit of news came out of the Black Panther Wakanda Forever interviews. Uh, comicbook.com talked to Marvel Studios VP of production and the producer of that uh, Black Panther sequel. He asked about the future of the Eternals characters and whether or not there's a sequel on the way. And uh, this is a quote that's... Uh, I feel like if Kevin Feige was asked this quote, we wouldn't have gotten this uh, a as of a, as of a revealing answer. But Nate said, "quote I don't want to spoil anything, but we have not seen the last of those characters." Unquote. So Ryan, I wanted to ask you, what do you think this means? Uh, I mean, look, here's the deal: Marvel plans ahead in a lot of ways. Uh, I think they sort of anticipated Eternals was going to play better than it did. Uh, so they probably had plans for these characters elsewhere. Um, so I feel like we're going to see them elsewhere. Like that, I don't <laughs> think those plans altered very much. Uh, for the record, I absolutely loved Eternals. Uh, so like, I do not <laughs> care what anyone else thinks. I straight up love that movie. Uh, so uh, yeah, I mean, like for me, I'm for me, I'm like, heck yeah, bring it on. I appreciate the big swings it was trying to take. Uh, I don't think it was successful. But I I disagree with you here, Ryan. I think that they were planning on doing an Eternal sequel. I think if that movie had hit, I think we would have heard in the trades like a week or two after that they were, you know, developing an Eternals 2. And I think now... I think now they're pivoting. They're not... I think they're now they're pivoting to them appearing in some other TV series or movie. The question is what? Yeah, but I think, but I think the MCU being what it is, it probably would have been a sequel and appearances and other things. So I think now we're just going to go with the appearances and other things, you know, so that, so that's, I guess that's what I meant when I was saying, I don't think they changed plans much in that sense. Um, as far as where, I mean, again, you have 
Kang Dynasty and you have Secret Wars. Like those are the big crossovers coming up. So those feel like they would make sense to me. Um, we still don't know a lot of what's coming in phase, phase six. So, you know, that's possible. I feel like I feel like the Marvels is going to be a very cosmic movie, the Captain Marvel sequel. So that feels like a possibility. Um, but uh, but yeah, we'll see. But I mean, I feel like phase six is going to Fantastic Four, maybe depending on what shape that takes. Um, but there, there's places there. There's places that might make sense for sure. Yeah. OK. Uh, Avatar is the next huge movie to come out this year. Is it the last huge movie of this year? Well, yeah, I mean, it's like right, it's right in the end of December. I think that's yeah. going to be, that's probably your last big, um, go ahead and talk about the story. I'll take a look while you're looking and see if there's anything else big to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of any, anything else. Well, anyways, it's, uh, it has been rated. It's PG 13, which is, comes as no surprise. Uh, but Avatar, the way of water also with the rating comes the running time and it's confirmed to be over three hours long. It's going to be 190 minutes. Uh, so by my calculations, that is, uh, about, uh, 30 minutes longer than the original. That is longer than Avengers Endgame. That is, uh, so I guess that's, uh, three hours and 10 minutes long, which, uh, Ryan, is it a surprise that James Cameron has made three and a half, over three hour long Avatar sequel? No, no, it's not surprising. Um, you, you sound uh, defeated by this news or something. I know I have to go see this damn movie. I don't like Avatar. I don't want to sit through three hours and ten minutes of Avatar 2. I don't want to sit through three hours and ten minutes of most movies. I can count on one hand the amount of movies I think justify that kind of runtime. Um, so, you know... Uh, yeah, I, I, I feel this to me reeks of like hubris. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, I, 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 I am, I am praying I am wrong and that I look like an asshole, like in hindsight for this, for saying what I'm saying right now. But, but yeah, this reeks of hubris to me and it doesn't, and it doesn't make its box office climb any easier. Now we've seen like movies approaching three hours managed to make a lot of money despite that but it doesn't help you know it doesn't make it easier uh you know that, like the Batman some of the, some of the biggest movies of all time have been like over three hours no totally and i'm not like i'm saying i'm not saying it can't happen but i'm saying like in general it doesn't help yeah. um you know it, it because be, uh, and not because people are like turned off by the idea but because theaters literally can't book as many screenings you know, like that, like that, that, that actually gets in the way um, of, 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 of an in-demand movie getting as many showings in a given day. Um, and then that kind of bleeds over into other movies being able to take up screens that are sort of vying for what else is there at the box. So it's kind of problematic in some ways, but, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's like what, 25 <laughs> minutes longer than Avengers Endgame or something or, or no, no, it's like 15, no. it's like 15 minutes longer. But, yeah. Cause Avengers Endgame was just shy of three hours, but whatever the case, that's, that's a long movie. I mean, that that's really because the Lord of the Rings movies were all like just under three hours, the theatrical cuts, I think. So, I mean, like, you know, if you're going longer than that, oh, you better have so you better have a hell of a movie in store because that is a long, long movie. By the way, I could be wrong and misremembering this. 
So I apologize in advance if I'm wrong, but I think Avatar 1 was so long ago that when it was released, it was at like the maximum of the IMAX running time. So they had to like speed up the credits or something like that because it like... Uh, oh, I, I, I had never heard that before. I think I think that's true. I know that's true of the Harry Potter, like they did one of the Harry Potter movies. Now, now I'm doubting myself. Hold on, I'm gonna pause this. I'm actually and, uh, gonna look. What was the the runtime for Avatar was two forty two. God, really? Um, <laughs> uh, just uh, I've only ever watched it all the way through the one time when I saw it in theaters, and I just I just don't care. Well, and I tell can't me this. Care. Tell me this, Ryan. If, if you are someone who writes about movies for a living and you said, I have to go see this movie, I'm going to have to sit through this three hours and whatever movie. If you didn't write about movies for a living and you're just your film geek self, would you still have that same like, oh, this is going to be something I'm going to have to see? Yes. And I'll tell you why. Uh, look, James Cameron, my biggest. And it's not something I talk about much. My biggest like irritation of the future of film right now is that James Cameron is going to film himself into the grave making Avatar movies. Uh, James Cameron is one of the best filmmakers we have ever had, particularly in the blockbuster realm. The man made Terminator 2 and Aliens, two of the best sequels of all time, no question, if not the two best sequels of all time, ignoring a couple of movies named Godfather 2 and The Empire Strikes Back. Um, so for me, any James Cameron movie, you know, of course, but beyond that, that dude made two of the big, best sequels of all time. If he can do that again with Avatar, like if he can make the jump like from Avatar 2 being that much better than the original, who knows? Maybe we're in for something awesome. So I'm willing to give that a chance. I don't feel optimistic, but if I'm wrong, you know, we could be in for something awesome. Yeah, I'm not able to find so, information on uh, my my whole thing about they had to speed up the credits. So maybe I am incorrect in remembering remembering that detail yeah i'm not i'm not finding anything so maybe i am i I, i'm incorrect maybe i'm I'm just uh uh uh, merging it in my mind with they did the uh the imax release of some of the last harry potter films and there was like some some issues where they had to like speed up the credits or something but uh but also it's amazing ryan how a movie from 2009 it's like impossible like finding archives from the internet about this movie is becoming hard do you know i mean like you think that everything on the internet is available forever but like searching and trying to find this information is is not easy what 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 good is the internet if like like the stuff gets buried from like you know over just over a decade ago well, what happens is these websites like change servers and stuff and a lot of things get, you know, moved because that's even happened with like big websites like IGN and stuff. You'll often find in Tales from the Box Office, uh, if you actually click on a lot of the hyperlinks, a lot of them are web archive links. They're not even the original links because I have to go that far back into stuff and uh, and find like web archive links to to get like, you know, these old interviews or numbers or things like that. So if you go through some of my articles, you'll see that's, you know, now that requires more research for sure. Uh, but uh, but it is it, a lot of it is still out there. But, yeah, you got to dig for it in ways that aren't e- as easy. That's that's for sure. Oh, wait, I found something on Wikipedia. Uh, Superman Returns 
<laughs> the end credits sped up so that the film could fit on IMAX platters. Uh, that's all I'm finding. Okay. Anyways, this this is probably not like. Uh, wow, Superman Returns was two hours and forty nine minutes. Yeah. Holy crap! Why? <laughs> Why? What the hell? Why was that movie three hours long? Oh, I never saw it. I didn't care for Superman. I, that is that is mind blowing to me. Okay, I guess let's move on from uh, from Avatar and let's talk about one final thing. This is a, a bit of business news. So, Disney CEO Bob Chapek has been doing some interviews recently, and he was asked about the idea of Disney buying more companies. And uh, I'll give you the quote here. This is from the Wall Street Journal Tech Live 2022 conference on last Wednesday. Uh, He said that he believes that Disney has everything it needs to be to make the best best media possible. Quote, we have the best creative teams, the best brands and franchises in the world. Uh, We're quite happy to have the output level across our channels without having to be a buyer in the open marketplace, unquote. So this is interesting because I feel like under Bob Iger, Disney was an acquisition uh, machine. You know, they acquired Pixar, they acquired Lucasfilm, they acquired Marvel. Uh, at the very end of it, they acquired 20th Century Fox, which put a lot of debt on the company, um, a lot of expenses, and probably is leading to a lot of stuff going on right now. Uh, what do you What do you think about this, Ryan? Like, do you, do you think Disney is really out of the marketplace of acquiring content? Largely, I mean, I think that especially after the Fox acquisition, I mean, that was a you know a massive, massive acquisition. I mean, you look at going back twenty years. Okay, so you look at they bought the Jim Henson Company for you know one hundred eight million, I believe it was Pixar for. Um, what was the, okay. Uh, yeah. Pixar for like 7 billion, um, you know, Marvel for 4.4 billion, Lucasfilm 4 billion, that 21st century Fox sales, 71.3 billion. Yeah. That's a bit of, that's the only sale there that I think is maybe not a good deal. Well, I look, I don't know. I think the Fox thing sort of made sense, but at the same time, like, you know, that's, that's a, that's a big that's a big, big, big purchase. And so I just don't. And also there's been so much consolidation in media right now that there just isn't as much up for grabs. So I feel like them being out of it, at least for now, kind of makes sense. You can't go buy DC. You can't go buy. There's nothing you can buy that would make sense for Disney right now. And they're already trying to make use of what they've already got. I feel like that Fox acquisition is going to take them forever to kind of get out from underneath. So yeah, this makes sense to me. Uh, I don't, you know, if Paramount really is for sale, which I believe they kind of are, I don't think I think it'll probably be Comcast that buys them. I don't think Disney's interested. I think that, you know, smaller companies like STX that were up for sale or like, you know, little li- smaller libraries like that. They don't want that. If Criterion gets bought by someone bigger, Disney's not in the Criterion business wouldn't make any sense for them. So I just struggle to think of anything that would even make sense for Disney that might even be for sale. You know, so, yeah, it kind of makes sense. I think I think Chapek's logic here makes sense. And I think even under Iger, it wouldn't be more it wouldn't be so acquisition hungry right now. Do you think there's any regret at this point for the Fox acquisition that happened? Not yet. Um, I think it's still a little too early when you talk about an acquisition of that size. Um, I don't think you're like AT&T where AT&T 
offloaded <laughs> Warner Media after four years because they were like, screw the media business. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think um, I don't know about regret. I mean, I think it was a big price tag. And I think that they wish maybe Comcast hadn't bit them up a bit because I think the original price, if I remember, was like 60 billion. And then Comcast ended up bidding them up on it. So I feel like that extra like 11 billion or whatever, definitely like, you know, that yeah. uh, that that hurt. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know about regret yet, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a lot of money to be certain. Aside from like the obvious, like, uh, you know, uh, X-Men and Fantastic Four, it, I, I just don't get the sense that Disney knows what to do with all this, all these properties that they acquired from, from Fox, including like, um, if you go to the theme parks, there's a big push now. They're trying to sell National Geographic merchandise, like T-shirts and uh, sweatshirts that say National Geographic, and uh, no one's buying them. And uh, people are starting to get these uh, surveys from Disney parks being like, you know, why are you not interested in National Geographic merchandise? <laughs> and I, 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 I'm not saying that, you know, not trying to trash national geographic i just don't think that they know what to do with some of these things especially the more like r-rated fox properties i mean they they obviously had a success with prey which is of the predator franchise but it almost seems to me like it might be smarter for disney to to license out some of the stuff and not keep it under the umbrella you know hold it in their walled garden if that makes sense like you know, have i've su- netflix I've suggest- stuff yeah, I've suggested that in the past, but I also think that after how well Prey did, I think they would rethink that strategy of not doing theatrical with that. And I think this alien movie they're developing with like um with uh, Fede Alvarez, I I would I would I would wonder if that would go theatrical cuz cuz I you know, I think I think there's a bit of a different thinking here now. Um I think that Alien TV series makes a lot of sense. I think having FX on Hulu makes a lot of sense. I think National Geographic is a nice boost on Disney Plus. Um I think, you know, you have stuff like that where it starts to add value. Um you have library titles you can make use of uh for those streaming services. You know, those library titles generate revenue elsewhere even if you're just renting those on VOD or whatever. Like every Fox title now generates money for Disney even just owning a new hope outright because uh 20th century fox owned i think the home video rights to a new hope still like even having all of those rights secured for disney makes sense um you know there's a lot of stuff like that there, there's there's a lot of those sorts of things do i think that like remaking cheaper by the dozen for disney plus was like all that great do i think the home alone sequel for disney plus did all that great for him no i think they might remake rethink some of those decisions but but you know i think i think it's kind of a mixed bag at this point i still think they're figuring some of that stuff out again an acquisition like this it exists on a longer timeline it's not so short yeah Okay, anyways, uh, we've reached the end of today's podcast. You can find Slash Film Daily on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel uh, please subscribe to our newsletter. I'll put a link in the show notes below. Uh, send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter.slashfilm.com. And please rate and read this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Have a happy Halloween, and we will see you tomorrow. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, 
as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.